Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top Podcast. This is episode 390 for the 23rd of Kislev in a leap year. Personality types, whether we're talking about Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram, the Big Five, all of these kind of things, we love hearing about ourselves. We love doing these quizzes to find out who we are. It's really fun, right? Those of you who know me in real life don't know that I'm kind of into these personality types. And I find that, that it's been very useful knowing what types I am and what types different people are in terms of my interaction with them, in terms of my own self-growth and all of that. Nevertheless, I have found that there's a way to use these personality types in a good way and there's a way to use them in a not so good way. Uh, a way that kind of like I feel is not great is when people just kind of use these personality types as excuses for their behavior to kind of just say like, well, you know, what do you expect? I'm a type six. So of course I'm going to be self-conscious when I go to a party or I'm an INFP. So I'm oversensitive. So, you know, what do you expect? This, this is just how, who I am and how I am. And you have to accept it. So to me, that's not the best use of personality types. To me, the strength in these personality type systems is actually in terms of healing, in terms of helping you move beyond your type. The healthiest kind of people are the kind of people that their types are not so obvious. It doesn't just hit you in the face that this is the type of person that they are. They've actually succeeded somewhat in transcending their type. This is why if you look at many of these books that talk about these different type systems, it actually tends to focus a lot on the negative negative of it, like sort of like the negative iteration of the type. And some people see this as like very negative, like why are we focusing so much on unhealth and how these personality types can behave in very unhealthy ways. So I think the point of it is to really recognize that Anybody, any type that really indulges in itself and just like, you know, dwells within its own sense of self uh, is going to be, is, is not a positive experience. It's actually a very negative experience. So this is actually what we're going to be focusing on in today's Tanya, where the Alter Rebbe is going to bring up four basic temperaments that all people, he seems to think, fall into, into one of these four categories of people, four different types of inclinations that these people might have. And he considers all of these things to be negative. In fact, these are not negative. These are not positive traits. These are negative things. So in other words, we all have different things that we need to work on. Some of us need to work on anger. Uh, Some of us don't have anger issues, but we need to work on being on laziness. You know, some of us need to work on being frivolous and some of us need to work on our indulgence in physicality, that we just tend to be very drawn to the physical indulgences of the world. Some of us might have a combination of these things, right? But this is these are sort of like the sort of like the four basic temperaments that that make up 
human traits, human um, traits of what it is that we need to work on. As we'll learn furthermore, further on in the Tanya, these traits are not entirely negative or in fact, just like with other types of personality typing systems, there are ways to use each of these traits and to, uh, to kind of channel these parts of ourselves into positive ways. And the reason for this is because really, as we'll learn, the root of these traits are actually in four different elements that become manifest within ourselves, within a, within a part of ourselves, which we come, we'll come to learn and know of as the animal soul. So I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but this idea of the animal soul is going to be uh, introduced today in today's Tanya when the Ultra Rabbi is actually going to teach us that we actually have two souls. So if you ever feel conflicted or if you ever feel like a divided kind of person or not like a whole person, this is probably why. Because in fact, we are very divided human beings. We have within us two souls. We have a godly soul and we have an animal soul. And the animal soul part of us is going to be the part that the ultra is going to be focusing on today, um, mostly for the most part, um, and really giving us a, a, a kind of somewhat of an understanding as to what that means, what it is, what our animal soul is. And we'll see that it's actually not all bad. The animal soul is actually capable of actually doing quite a bit of good as well, at least for a Jew, at least in, for, in a Jew's animal soul. But to kick off this discussion, um, we're actually going to bring it into context in terms of what it, what it was that we were speaking about yesterday, uh, si since this is a continuation of yesterday's portion. So this is a uh, continuation. We're actually going to conclude the first chapter of Likuti Amarim in this section today. And so yesterday, if you recall, and please go back and review if you if you need to, we started talking about these different categorizations that the Gemara brings up for different types of Jews. There's the category of the Tzaddik, which is the righteous person. There's the category of the Rasha, the wicked person. And each of those has two subcategories. And then there's the category of the Benoni, the intermediate man. And we still haven't really come to a clear definition as to what all these terms mean. And we dis we we concluded yesterday's section dismissing the notion that a Benoni is somebody who, as some people have the misconception of thinking, of that he is somebody who is half good deeds, half bad deeds. We said that can't be the case because we know that Raba, who was a very, very righteous individual, and he, you know, his, his whole life was devoted to Torah study, and he was not somebody who we can, we know at least that he sinned ever, really, as far as we know. So how could it be that he he called himself a Benoni? And what's the deal with these places where, uh, where it's spoken about? Like there are sources that say that a Benoni does is somebody who is half good deeds, half bad deeds. So what, what's this all about? So the ultra Rabbi begins today and he says that those places where, um, like those times when people tend to use the phrase Benoni and they refer to it as somebody who is half good deeds, half bad deeds, this is, in this case, in these cases, they're using this term Benoni as a borrowed name, a Shem HaMushal, it's called in Hebrew. What does that mean? It means that sometimes we don't use language in the most exacting way. For example, like when people say like, you know, they come home from work and they say, I'm starving. I'm a literally star starving. I could eat a house right now, right? Or a horse, right? Do they mean that? Do they mean that they're literally like they're, they're actually starving to death? Like God forbid, you know, like people in the Holocaust or something like that? No, obviously not. This is like they're using that term. It's a little hyperbolic kind of language um, to make a point. 
right? We, we use these borrowed terms all the time. So here too, the Altarba is saying that this is, um, the, in this sense, when people are, when people refer to a Benoni as being somebody whose deeds are half righteous and half wicked, they're just using this term Benoni as like, it's, it's for the moment. It's, it's a borrowed phrase. And why is it borrowed? What's it borrowed for? Uh, when we're talking about reward and punishment, because we know that there's this idea that when a person is judged, then they're judged according to the majority of their deeds. So, okay. So in that case, so let's say, um, let's say you have a person who, uh, is at, you know at the end of their life they have more good deeds than bad deeds they would be considered a tzaddik in that case it's like that's the category that they're in uh less good deeds than than bad deeds rasha somewhere in the middle like they're half and half that would be a benoni so that's that's kind of the way that the the term is thrown at these terms are thrown around around a lot we see this a lot also like when people say like oh you're such a tzaddik you bought me that cake such a tzaddik you know it's like are they really a tzaddik like you know we say it it's it's kind of like just like human language we use these terms in different ways um but the truth is now the ultra rebel wants to say with all of this in mind we want to come to a true definition of what these means um and and there is an actual true definition these aren't just terms to be thrown around you know you could throw it around but there is also a very authentic and real definition about it so what is the real definition so the ultra says that um the key to understanding this is by examining this phrase this uh phrase in masach de brachos chapter nine which the ultra had brought up yesterday where it says that what is a tzaddik a tzaddik is somebody who's Yetzar Tov, the, uh, their good inclination rules over them. And a phrase that the Ultra Rebbe links to this, a, a, a verse that the Ultra Rebbe links to this is from Tehillim chapter 109, verse 22, where it says, My heart is void within me. So we're going to understand what this means. What does this mean that my heart is void within me? The, the way that Ultra Rebbe understands this is it means that he doesn't have a Yetzar Hara because he killed it with fasting. So it's like we can think of like the heart in the sense as being like the seat of the passions. And so when we say that the tzaddik is somebody who has a void heart, this means that they've killed these passions. They've killed this Yetzar Hara that they have um, through fasting. And as we'll learn, there are other ways uh, to deal with the Yetzar Hara other than fasting. This will come later on in the Tanya, but this is the basic idea. And so this, and so thus, a tzaddik, what is a tzaddik? A tzaddik is somebody who is, is totally ruled by their good inclination. They're not ruled by their evil inclination because they killed it. But somebody who has not reached this level, somebody who has not killed their passions, killed their Yitzhahara, uh, fasted to such a point that they're not ruled by it anymore, even if they have more merits than sins, we can't say that they're a tzaddik. That's not, so a tzaddik, the ultra is saying, is a very specific definition. A tzaddik is somebody who no longer is ruled by their evil inclinations. And so obviously, if you think about this, somebody who isn't ruled doesn't have any evil inclinations, doesn't have any evil temptations, negative temptations. I mean, who are such people? There are not a lot of people like this in the world. And in fact, um, it, the sages taught that in the Masechet Yoma, page 38b, that the, that, um, that, that, that God saw that there are very few such people in the world. There are very, very few tzaddikim in the world. So he just sp spread them out throughout the different generations because he realized that this is a very high level and it's not something that most people are going to attain. And this is this explains what is written in Mishlei chapter 10, verse 25, sodolam, that the tzaddik is the foundation of the world. So it's like meaning to say that there's, there's not a lot of these people, not a lot of these people in the world that it really, really we can say are totally ruled 
just by their good inclination and don't have any temptations to do anything wrong ever, that's that's very few individuals. So now to understand all this, this whole idea of like the good inclination, the evil inclination, what's this all about? Uh, what does it mean? You know, what are these terms and everything like that? The altar is now going to bring a teaching from Rabbi Chaim Vital in Shara Kedusha and in the Itzchaim in the in the 50, 50th gate in chapter two. Uh, this really interesting teaching, which is going to be the foundation of a lot of what we're going to learn in the, in the Tanya, that every single Jewish person whether he's a righteous person or whether he's a wicked person at Sadiq or Rasha has two souls. So when you say your soul, you know, this person's soul, what are we talking about? We actually have two souls. And this, the a proof for this is actually we find in Yeshayahu chapter 57 verse 16, where it says, in the Shemot city, and the souls which I have made. And in that context, in the, in the Pasuk, it, it, it's clear that, um, that it's speaking about one person. So how is it that one person has multiple souls? Because we all have two souls within us. Um, so now the altar of it now is going to take the rest of today's chapter and he's going to speak about one of these souls, namely what we refer to as the animal soul. Tomorrow, we're going to look at the other soul, which is we refer to as the godly soul. But today, the focus is really going to be on this animal soul, this instinctual soul, we can call it. So this soul, this this first soul that we're going to be looking at, comes from the side of the klipa and the sitraha. What's the klipa and the sitraha? So klipa translates to mean husks. Husks are like these forces in creation, which we're going to delve into a lot more later in the Tanya, which conceal godliness. That's kind of like their whole purpose is to conceal. It's like a, a covering, like a shell, just like a fruit has a shell to it that conceals godliness. And Sitra Akhra is also, that's the other side. It means not the side of goodness, not the side of revelation of godliness. So this is where this animal soul comes from. And this soul that we're talking about that comes from the Klippa and the Sitra Akhra gets vested within the blood of a person in order to vivify the body. So very simply put, it's very simple. What is the soul that you have? It's the life force that's within you. You know, it's that thing that um, goes throughout your blood, maybe in Chinese medicine. I don't know if this would be the exact translation, but when they call it the qi, you know, that, that we could think about it like that, like this life force that just flows within your body. That is what your, uh, what your, what this soul is. Uh, and this is, and, and again, the proof that it flows through your body, this comes from Vayikra chapter 17, verse 11, where it says, Ki nefesh bedam hi, that the nefesh of the flesh, the soul of the flesh, meaning this flesh-like soul that's connected to physicality, as we'll see, is connected to the, is, is within the blood, is found within the blood. And from this soul, this is where all negative character traits come from, which come from the four negative elements that come from it. So this is what I started talking about in the introduction. So now we'll get into what are these four temperaments? What are these four negative character traits that all of us possess, but some people are more or less ruled by some more than others? So for example, so one of them is is anger and pride, right? So anger and pride, where, where do anger and pride come from? They come from the element of fire. Because if you think about it, like what, how, look at fire. Fire likes to rise up. It's like the nature of fire is to rise up. And when you think about somebody who's very angry or very prideful, where is that energy in, within their body? It's like in, you know, 
see their face getting very red, their chest getting very red. There were these papers that Rabbi Chaim Miller was actually showing in Shul this past year. Uh, I think it was on Yom Kippur. It might have been Rosh Hashanah. I, I don't remember exactly. Where it was actually like these illustrations that were made of people. And it was like a scan of their body. And it showed up which parts of the body light up when different emotions are felt. So like the emotions of like anger and pride are kind of high up. They're like in the head, in the face, uh, in the in the in the chest, think about it when you're angry, where, where do you feel that emotion? It's a lifting up energy. So that, that is connected to the element of fire. Then we have another type of uh, temperament. This is a, a type of inclination towards pleasures, ta'anugim in Hebrew. This is like a kind of indulgent kind of temperament. This comes from the element of water, right? Because if you think about it, what does water do? Water, uh, it, it sprouts life. Like water is, it, it brings about many different types of vegetation and different kinds of things. Um, so it really is, there's something very ple uh, pleasurable about water. Water promotes the growth of all kinds of pleasurable things. And so think about that also, like when you're, you know, just in a physical kind of way, when you're indulging, when you're in this like very indulgent mode, where do you feel it? How do you feel it? It's a sort of watery kind of um, feeling to it. Like you're kind of like, just like seeped within it, you know, drenched. People say that they're drenched in their indulgence and somehow. Uh, then we have another one, which is the, which is a frivolous nature. This is like um, somebody who is um, very frivolous, very like lightheaded, uh, not very, not a very serious person. Like they can't, they can't really sit still. Uh, they can't really um, they're, they don't really make sense when they talk. They're kind of like, just like all over the place a little bit, maybe a kind of flighty kind of person. Um, this comes from the element, element of wind. This is, this is like they're lacking in substance. You know, this could be somebody who's also very superficial. We could say somebody who's just like watches reality TV shows all day long might fit into this category. Right. And this makes sense also. Like if you think about like someone who's a, a ditzy person, you think of them as airy. So it makes sense that it would come from the element of air. Then we have the final category, which is the category of sloth, of melancholy, of sadness, laziness, depression, all that stuff. And you can probably guess yourself, what element does that come from? That comes from the element of earth, right? You think of a person who is can't move, you know, who's just really uh, lethargic and just really stuck in their depression or whatever it is. That's like, they're just like a, a rock, like they're like an element of earth. So we see that... Um, that these four temperaments are different temperaments that stem ultimately from the animal soul, which comes, as we said, from the klipos and the sitra ahar, the husks and the other side, and which are which is manifest and flows throughout our blood in our body. And then this results in these different temperaments, these different character traits. Now, the curious thing is, now the altar is going to explain how within Jewish people, this soul, this animal soul, this soul that comes from the klipos, actually brings about a lot of good traits as well. So that's interesting. So it's so meaning to say, so things like, you know, they say that Jews are naturally very compassionate people like to give very generous kind of people. So this, this tendencies, these tendencies that we have to, towards giving and towards being compassionate actually come from this very same soul, this soul uh, that comes from the klipos, this, this animal soul. So how could that be? That's weird. So because when we say that it comes from the husks, when we say that it comes from the klipos, for Jewish people, it comes from what is known as klipos noga. 
So this needs a little bit of a background. So basically in Kabbalah, in Chassidus, there's this explanation of the klipos, these husks that I spoke about that conceal godliness. And the way that they're explained is that there's different types of klipos. Not all klipos are created the same way. There's what's known as the shalosh klipotetzmeot, the three impure klipos. And those are the klipos that totally conceal godliness and cannot, it's like totally opaque. You can think of them as being like totally opaque. There's no, nothing no godliness at all is shining through them at all. But then there's this interesting category of what's known as klipas noga. And this is, we can think of, noga can actually be, be translated to mean translucent. So there's something translucent about these husks. So yes, they're husks, that they're shells that cover up the godliness, but nevertheless, they're a little bit translucent. They're not totally opaque. So there's a little bit of goodness that can shine through, a little bit of godliness that shines through. And so when we say that the Jewish animal soul is created from the klipos, so yes, it comes from the klipos, but it comes from klipos noga, which means that it's not entirely bad. The way to think about this in very simple terms is that when we are acting in accordance with our animal soul, what that means really is that we're acting in accordance with our instincts. Some of our instincts, yes, can be somewhat destructive if we indulge in them, whether our instinct is to get angry, you know, or we, our instinct is to uh, get very um, indulgent, to indulge in something. Our instinct is to just like flip out and like watch a bunch of stupid TV, reality TV, um, or our instincts might be just to lay on the couch and do nothing. But our instincts might also lead us to want to give to people. It feels good for us to give. It feels good to empathize with another person, to you know listen to another person, help someone out in a time of need. So there is something positive about it. And this is the idea of the, this is the secret of the Etzada Tovara, the, the secret of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So this is like a Kabbalistic take on this tree of knowledge of good and evil is it's this, um, it's, a, it's a mixed place. It has evil in it, but it also has some good. And now, in contrast, the ultra by now brings up here, he says that this is not the case. In the case of the souls of idolaters, um, they don't have this klipas noga. They, their animal soul actually comes from the more harsher, opaque klipas. Um, as a side note, I will point out here that this this section that we're going to be learning now about the, the idolaters, or, or sometimes translated as non-Jews, um, has been has brought a lot of controversy and um you know, brought a lot of people to think that the ultra rabbi is actually being racist, you know, that he's saying that non-Jews um, are total pure evil, they're not capable of any good or anything like that. There have been notes from the rabbi, from my understanding, where the rabbi explained that it's not so clear-cut, and that, uh, as we know, there's something called the Sheva Matzot Noach, the seven laws of Noah, which allow, which are, they're not for Jews, but actually for non-Jews to keep. And if a non-Jew keeps these seven laws of Noah, then it's not so simple, it's, it, it's not so clear that their soul comes from these three impure klippas. So what, what the ultra rabbi is talking about here in this context, when he talks about these the souls of the idolatrous nations, is really those people, those, those non-Jews who are steeped in idolatry, who are not really interested in godliness, not interested in growth or any, any higher kind of thing. So in that case, says the ultra rabbi, they don't actually have any good in them at all. And this is explained in the Itzchayim, in the 48th gate in chapter three, that any good that these kind of people do, there's always going to be an ulterior motive to it. And we see this very often. We see this with politicians a lot, that it's like they're doing all these charitable quote unquote things and things like that. But we all know that it's really for their own benefit, whether for their own fame or glory or, or for people to like them and things like that. And this is, this is what the Gemara 
explains in commenting on a pasuk from Mishle, um, from ch- chapter 14, verse 34 in Mishle, where it says, chesed chatat, that the kindness of nations is sin. The Gemara explains that this, this, this is exactly what it means, is that any goodness that these, uh, these idolatrous nations do, it's all, there's always an alternative ulterior motive to it it's not pure it's not pure altruism so uh so yeah so that's it for today so we've, we've concluded the first chapter of the tanya and so just in conclusion again we're still in this very exploratory place of we're trying to come to these we haven't yet defined the terms tzaddik rasha benoni we haven't we're kind of delving into details about these people but we haven't yet come to a clear definition of them what we know so far is that tzaddikim are very rare tzaddikim are not very frequent kind of people there's very few of them in the world a tzaddik is somebody who not just behaves well but is somebody who is actually has no evil inclination or at least has has pushed down their evil inclinations to such a point that it has absolutely no hold over them at all and we also know that for all of us, whether we're talking about a tzaddik or whether we're talking about a rasha or a benini or anybody, every single Jew has two souls. They have a godly soul and they have an animal soul. And we looked at the animal soul today and we saw that the animal soul is basically the seat of temperaments, of instincts. This is like what our natural dispositions are. Some of us have natural dispositions towards anger, some towards uh, slothfulness, some towards frivolity, all uh, some towards indulgence, all kinds of different kinds of nature. And our nature can also be to do a lot of good. That That is actually the Jewish nature. It says that, how do you know if somebody is really Jewish? If they embody the traits of humility, uh, sh- uh, shyness, um, like Baishanus, it's called in Hebrew, and rahmanis and and uh and compassionate if they're a compassionate kind of person if somebody's lacking in one of these traits we actually there's an idea that we're actually supposed to question if they're really a jewish person or not because jewish pe- people by nature our nature just like our temperament is some people have a temperament to be angry or slothful or whatever it is us as jews we all have the temperament to do good and to um and to um give and to be kind and compassionate. So that teaches us two things. One, that our nature is not all bad and it's actually capable of doing a lot of good, but it also teaches us, as we'll explore further on, that just because we're acting nicely towards somebody else and we're giving to somebody and we're feeling compassionate to somebody, it doesn't mean necessarily that we're accessing our highest self. It, we, we very much could still be within the realm of our baser instincts of our animal soul and we haven't yet tapped into the godly soul so tomorrow we're going to explore this godly soul the second soul that we have and so stay tuned and i will speak to you then thanks for listening to the it is top podcast hosted by sarit switzer this podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather abraham yitzhak ben benyamin cohen of blessed memory music by shoshana if you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show Please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.